The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Mitchell's front page, the Monday Sports Panel. In the studio, Peter, good morning. How are you? Very well, thank you, Mitchell. And uh, yes, we're starting to count down towards the big one in the AFL. Yeah, except they've got the bye in the middle, which sort of breaks that momentum a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it's interesting. We were just talking before uh, we introduced Bucket. Um, yeah, I think there's a, a saying the AFL is, is um, pressure from some from the club saying that if a player gets concussed in a prelim, he can then still play in the grand final because mm. they could have twelve days mandatory. Yeah, so that allows anyone yeah, can cast in the prelim, come up for the grand final. And I suppose it's a little bit like was it Port Adelaide calling that medical sub because if they're in the the medical sub, they've got to be out for nine days or something. Is mm. that right? Yeah. Um, so they can call in the medical sub because they know they've got the week off when they need someone to have a bit of a rest Fist. and uh, bring in. It's a bit of a tactical use of that. Mm, it is on the line. We've got Bucket as well. Good morning, Bucket. How are you? Very good indeed, and you? Well, I suppose any week that we can come on here celebrating a Geelong week, that's a good week, isn't it? Oh, yes. I, you know, it's a really interesting season. It's been you know, it's a tremendous season, really, because of, of the... Uh, yeah, we've always got doubts whether they're going to perform or not. That not only applies to Geelong, but it applies to yeah, all, all the other sides too, doesn't it? But a lot of people, I think, are casting their minds very quickly towards Friday night in that prelim final against Melbourne. And as I was saying before we came on air, uh, Fox Footy, and you probably would have seen this as well, they were um, talking to Matthew Pavlich, who was their boundary rider once the game finished. And they said, uh, Pav, did you see anything in that game from Geelong that would give Melbourne cause for concern? And he didn't say, maybe, or I think he just said no. <laughs> um, so that doesn't give you a lot of faith. I don't know if you saw that bucket. But um, how do you think they're going to go this uh, Friday night? It's going to be interesting with the uh, Geelong Football Club because, as we know, we've got those agent players. You know, like yeah, we've got Hawkins. You know, like he landed five goals on Saturday. But with yeah, he's getting better with age. But at the other end of the scale, we've got a bloke called Selwood. Yeah, you know, like he only had fourteen possessions and very little influence on the game. So, so we're seeing two careers there. Yeah, you know, sort of changing ways a little bit. And I saw some people were pointing to Patrick Dangerfield and suggesting that his number of possessions was quite low. I don't know if it had got better in the second half, but at half time they said it was one of his lowest performances since about 2009. Yes, well, Dangerfield, I've been sort of hammering him a little bit in, in recent times because once you see a player perform at a very high level, you expect that every time that you see them, that's the way that boy is going to perform all the time. But it doesn't, it doesn't apply because yeah, yeah, when you when you look at when you look at Hawkins, you know, the, the way he's, he's stabilised down that full forward, and then basically he's he's the one go to in there, like in the side. If you if you get the ball upfield, you make make sure you know exactly what he where he is and put the ball right to the spot he, he wants it to. Mm. It's actually interesting when they have that strategy of, I suppose, just kick it to Hawkins because last week, you know, he wasn't firing, so that means yeah. that the team sort of struggles a bit. But if he is firing like this week and some of those incredible performances, particularly in that sort of last moment there in the fourth quarter and the game was in the balance and GWS looked like they were maybe going to stage a Melbourne-style comeback, when he's firing and you just kick it to Hawkins, that strategy works. Oh yes, it sure does, and you know, like his uh, score this year has been sixty-one thirty-five. So his accuracy has been pretty handy too, hasn't it? 
Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm just wondering what you thought of um, Stanley's performance because I watched a video on the Cats' social media and they said that uh, the coaches apparently did a lot of work with Stanley over the week about positions and how to play to his strengths. And how do you think he performed against Shane Mumford? Well, it's all right, you know, like he performed okay against uh, Mumford, but he was a lot taller than Mumford, and then basically with uh, Mumford on, right on the end of his career too. But, the, you know, Mumford's been a wonderful servant for the uh, you know, yeah, for the Giants football club. But the Stanley, yeah, like, mm-hmm. uh, like we've got two or three uh, guys who can play in the ruck down there, uh, who we say can play in the ruck, but they, they don't always perform. You know, Radagoy, uh, gee whiz, yeah. like uh, he's placed in the side now, he's got to be in great doubt because, you know, the, the coaching staff trusted him and he's gone in and he's only, only had the uh, five positions wasn't it that's no, that's no good I don't know I just wonder if maybe the team still plays a bit better when Radigali is there I mean he did take that handy mark uh, maybe he didn't have that many possessions but I don't know maybe just his mere presence down there in the forward line maybe it distracts defenders away or um, frees up the tomahawk to do more of his thing but um, yeah it's a tough one it's certainly tougher, but at the same time, you may put in a, like a like a shorter guy and, and who can be a swooper, yeah, you know, like on, on that forward line, you know. And there's been some wonderful swoopers, like in football over the years. And gee whiz, like you know, Rowan, like he had, he keeps on getting those, yeah, you know, ten to thirteen possessions. Might, might kick a couple of goals, gee whiz. But at the same time, wouldn't it be good if we could just tr- uh, just trust him all the time? But we we. So if you were the Geelong selectors going into that prelim, obviously you've got to find a replacement um, for Brandon Parfitt, but who, anyone else is uh, on the chopping block? No, well they're gonna they're gonna be they're gonna pick a side that's capable of beating the, the, the Melbourne Football Club because Melbourne Football Club they've got a, a real element of players who will take a risk. Yeah, you know, they'll chase hard for the ball, they'll fly for the ball, you know, they'll kick the ball towards the boundary and and, and play close to the boundary. And that and then all of a sudden switch switch the ball infield. Boy, gee, they're a hard side to counter, I think. And I think they'll be probably remembering that prelim final defeat from a couple of years ago. Uh, they know how many D's supporters are hoping that this will be their year and they've had the year, the pressure's on them to go all the way. So um, they'll be coming up to play. I mean, of course, everyone does in a prelim final, but I think they'll be risking absolutely everything and throw everything at that game, won't they? Oh, yes. Well, both sides have got to do it because the, the finals, you know, like over the years, has it, been, you know, probably one of the hardest games to win, isn't it? You know, because, you know, yep. both, basically, both fitness of both sides should, should be at, at a peak and gee whiz, you know, like, and you've got to just take your chances, I think. Yeah, it'll go up another notch, too, um, this weekend. There's no doubt about that. The prelims uh, produce some really hard and uh, exciting and tough footy right throughout the whole four quarters so but I agree with with Radha Galea um, because there's definitely um, Bruce Stanley he's going to find a big difference between Mummy and uh, coming up against um, Maxi Gorn it's going to be a huge difference and yeah look Radha Galea to me looks like he, he'll break a game apart one night but I'm not sure when that's going to occur but yeah I'd nearly um, I'd yeah, I know, on, on his recent form, Bucket and Mitchell, you may think, yeah, should, he probably won't hold his spot. But, yeah, look, I, I'd still have him in for this week. Um, 
the guy that I, I'd, I'd still like to see come back in that side, and I know he's pretty well maligned at times, but Luke Dalhouse, mm. he's just the one that, he does a lot of stuff that we don't probably see on the big screen, that, um, you know, the, those little one percenters where he gets in and uh, he gets between the opposition and his teammate, and he, and we know that he, you know, he can perform on the big one. He did in uh, in the 2016 Premiership for the Bulldogs, so if anyone, Luke Dalhouse, maybe Sam Simpson's a chance to, to have a, get another crack. Um, Don't those players, I, I, I think, play we you know, on luck a little bit, that lucky bounce yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah, true, true. And and I think we've... I'm not too sure which way you'd go, Bucket. If you were coaching Geelong uh, and Mitchell, would you... When they were 42, 44 points up there a couple of weeks ago, Geelong, on Melbourne, I'd be, um, I'd be really focusing on what they did right to, yeah. to get to that lead. And you, I don't think you dwell too much on what happened after that because um, you, you want to put the positivity and the confidence in the players. Um, so you, you basically have a quick look at what went wrong. How do you let Melbourne back in the game? But you really focus on what what got you to that 42-point lead. So, um, yeah, and, and that's got to be in the back of Melbourne's mind too. All right, they'll be looking on, all right, let's... Let's work on. Let's have a good look at how we got back into the game. Not so much how we we, yeah. we let them get away early. So it'll be a good game, no doubt. Whatsoever. It's the mind games, isn't it? Because it is. Geelong will have in the back of their mind that they've lost both games to Melbourne this year. Mm-hmm. So I suppose clinging to that moment of positivity where they got what was it seven goals in a row or something mm-hmm. uh, in the second quarter. That'll be the the technique that maybe tries to reverse that somewhat. Yeah, Peter, like I mentioned Selwood before, what do you think of the way he's going? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if he's got an injury uh, bucket or not. And, and again, you probably look back and, and that's a posit- positive, if you can look at it, that, that situation where both uh, he and Paddy Dangerfield had quiet nights and uh, and you still win. And I know, you know, when we look at GWS, I mean, their structure, they uh, they are under the pump right from the word go. Um, but just on that point, I, I still think that um, they're such good players that um, right. did I have two bad ones in a row, both Selwood and Dangerfield, it doesn't happen too often. So um, I would expect them and, and just the, you know, the, the type of players that they are, that uh, pride and everything, that they'll, they'll bounce back hard uh, hard next week as long as their uh, energy is um, used in the, in the right way. So it will be, um, it'll be interesting, but as we say, like Friday night, GWS, soon as, well, when Jesse Hogan was a late withdrawal, their forward line, their forward structure was, was gone. They, they were probably burnt, um, nearly burnt out coming into it. And I know that, um, only speaking to Luke, that they only had 27 players to choose from when, when they went to the selection table on um, Wednesday night, GWS. So they had 12 players out through injury from the 39. So they were under the pump and only Harry Himmelberg up forward was the... Um, was from their four leading goal kickers for the season was the only one on the ground. Oh yeah, but when you look at the Giants, the loss of Green by G, like both of them, he, he could have kicked five goals himself. You know, that yeah. was the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, and and. Uh, Tom Green as well, out with the forearm. But as I said, I didn't realise that they had 12 players unavailable. So it was hard and um, and they needed to be accurate going into that forward line on, uh, on Friday night, GWS. And I think the one stat that you probably would have picked up on too, um, Bucket and Mitchell, was that GWS only had one mark inside their 50 in the first half of the match. So, yeah, you're not going to win too many games. And, and to their credit, they, they held in there. Geelong just... I don't know. They they weren't over impressive again. But how often do we say that about Geelong? They get the job done. Uh, when and then occasionally they put in that absolute ripper where they they play brilliant football. 
some people were talking about the umpiring and said, oh, the game, someone said, the game was gifted to Geelong because of the umpiring, which I just think is ridiculous. No. I mean, it was seven more free kicks to Geelong, yes, but over the space of two and a half hours or yes. two hours, um, I think the fact that the GWS forward line was pretty much decimated, as you say, that mm. played a much bigger role. And um, they were goalless in the first quarter, if I recall correctly. So that was much bigger than any umpiring as far as I'm concerned. Your thoughts, Bucket? Yes, when you look at the umpiring, you know, like they brought in new rules, you know, played with them this year, but, but that, that, that ball going out and, and the opponent free kick, kick against the ball going out, you know, deliberate, deliberate and things like that, I think that's an, an area there, they've got to change that little bit because all of a sudden, you know, they, they play a free kick against a player and the next player gets away with it. Yeah, it's something they've never yeah. really got right, is it? No, no, and we saw one on uh, on Saturday night. But um, we'll get there. Yeah, forty-one and forty-seven free kicks um, in the two games over the weekend. Yeah, Maybe it's a, of, it's a lot of free kicks, isn't it? It, it is. It, it, it was um, averaged a lot more than um, than throughout the home and away. And I think when it comes to finals, as we know, there is going to be um, there's going to be the pressure on it. It's a great, um, you know, it is really top level um, yeah. pressure. So let it go a little bit without making it without missing the obvious ones. Yeah, you're a good judge how players are going blitz. Uh, mm. so I'm really concerned about that boy. He, mm. he, he, he was taken all before him there early in, in his career, but in recent times he, he's not doing the damage he used to do. No, and the unfortunate thing is we know that sometimes it's not until after the final series or your season's ended that the club comes out and says, oh, I know, look, you know, so-and-so was playing with injury for the last, he's, he's had injections, he's had a, a you know, a, a broken bone or something and then he's played with that and so whether whether there's an injury there, it's the same with Paddy, is Joel Selwood, I, I have a feeling he may be carrying a couple little small niggling injuries that's just not allowing him to do what he likes to do, so um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Blixarves um, is a bit of a concern and um, yeah, I just, um, as I said, I just the thing with Gary Rowan that worries me that he doesn't have a great defensive side to his game, and he and that's probably been his downfall in, the, in those big finals. I mean, he did kick four goals in the prelim a couple of years ago, but that's why I like Luke Delhouse. He he does do those pressure pressure acts so in a game. Well, we will see. Basically, the other other bloke performs really well, and he's, he's given good uh, like uh, good service to Geelong this year. Is Smith, the former Hawthorne boy? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. He gets on. Uh, yeah, it's sort of not not uh, not unrecognised, but uh, doesn't get the accolades at times, does he? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I, I, and look, Zach too, he was just huge down back, and and GWS took the uh, took the risk. They played one of their players up forward, which left Zach too. He must have he must have thought this is heaven back from an injury. I've got no one around me in mm. 12 possessions in the first quarter. Thanks yeah, very much. Yeah, Zach Tui makes a really big yeah, uh, difference. But I think just to close off, we should just say, I think at least, that there's positive signs for GWS. If they've been playing at their full strength, it might have been a very different outcome. And I think there's a lot of hope for that team next year, especially given that they were at one stage this year not even going to make finals, right? No, that's right. I don't think it's all they won in five or... Two and but uh, two even and it was a long time when they were well and truly out of the eight and oh, didn't, yeah. didn't think. Yeah, yeah. I think you were saying, Pete, you know, oh, maybe GWS could pull through, mm. and they have, and uh, made it to a semi-final. So good on them, and I think next year they'll be perhaps a force to be reckoned with if they can get all their injuries sorted out and get everything uh, in a row. Yeah, that's right, injuries, and they got a couple of early draft picks and uh, some of the young boys that they were forced to, um, which has worked in their favour to give a going to um, through injury this year, have, uh, have shown uh, plenty of ability. So, yeah. 
they'll be there. And we better go to the other game at the Gabba. That was a huge one, wasn't it? The uh, Bulldogs and the Lions. One point to difference. And uh, I was watching just that last three or four minutes. And uh, it was amazing when you're watching the, them play and they can't even concede a rush mm-hmm. behind because they know that'll affect the outcome of the game. Yeah. There was a couple of a couple of highlights at the start of the game when Cameron yeah, shot in and kicked those three goals in the, in the first quarter. He yeah, had like and gee whiz, I thought he, he he'll be on. He could kick yeah, six seven or something yeah. like that in, in this game, but, but he sort of dropped off a little bit. And uh, basically, I think the disappointment of Danaher by gee like yep. like in both games, yeah, uh, gee whiz, like. like for him not to perform, you know, like he's he's ten foot taller than any, anybody else. He's got a solid pair of hands <laughs> and everything like that, and just doesn't perform, you know, w- w- when he should perform. No, there was only one. There was probably one decision he did. He did. Uh Make correctly, and that was where he did. Uh, instead of just having a having a sw- over his shoulder kick over his around his body, rather, and um, he did uh, kick it back into the uh, into the forward square there, and it was it, it resulted in a Brisbane goal. But he, he looks to me sometimes. That, I just don't know whether he he takes his footy seriously. He looks like he's just out there enjoying himself too at times. And if he misses a goal, he's sort of oh, well, bad like a bit of a grin. I, I don't think it's, it's as bad as that. But he uh, he has been disappointed, and as you. And I think we both, or three of us may have probably agreed throughout the year, um, for Brisbane to uh, to continue, they they needed both um, Charlie Cameron and Joe Danaher. And as soon as uh, the move of Taylor Duray onto Charlie Cameron and he quelled him, that was um, that certainly stopped Cameron. But, gee, he looked on dynamic in that first quarter. It was a, a brilliant performance. It's pretty amazing how uh, a lot of the commentary revolves around he's having fun kicking these goals. Yeah. But what, what's he doing when he's not kicking the goals? Yeah, yeah. does he work hard enough? So uh, it, it is interesting uh, where he goes next year. I mean, he'll stay at Brisbane, but I mean where his football takes him as far as... Uh, yeah, he, he's got to he's got to do a bit more next year. Uh, yes, and when you look at the, uh, uh, the doggy side by Jim McRae, by he's had a wonderful season of getting get, get, getting the ball, hasn't, hasn't he? Yeah, mm, a wonderful uh, player for the uh, Footscray foot, Football Club, and and the way they're going, they, they got that Dunkley in there. Uh, Bot, yeah, there's a bit of doubt over over whether uh, will come up or not. Yeah, well, that'll be a huge loss if he if he you know, if he can't come oh, up yeah, that, yeah. for sure. And and although Waitman's only played a few games, but he looks like he'll be out with the concussion rule. So, but uh, Liberatore again, another solid effort. Um, and I liked uh, Lathan uh, Vandermeer. I thought he played really well again for yeah. the Bullies over the week. But as you say, McRae was um, nine contested, eleven clearances, ten inside fifties. It goes on nine score involvement. So, um, and I like Caleb Daniel. He put in a, a really good game, didn't he? The little he fella. Always puts in those. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he gives him plenty of drive, and, and I thought Tim English gained a bit more confidence. Yeah. So, um, you know, the bullies did it in 2016. They had injuries after injury. They just they had to travel here, there, and everywhere, and yeah. they still came up trumps. Um, I think Port Adelaide to be happy though, sitting home watching how hard that game was on Saturday night, and just how much petrol has been spent, and the fact there they've had to fly, and then they've got they're in um, quarantine, so they really don't have that normal prep coming up to uh, to this week's game. And that crowd at Adelaide Oval, that is a real home ground advantage, isn't it? <laughs> it's got to be three three goals, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you give them any chance to the Bulldogs against uh, the Power? 
Oh, I think they are because they're, they're one of those uh, exciting sides, you know, like they've got those young players who'll get the ball. Even if they haven't got the ball, they'll keep on running all the time. And by gee, there's some dangerous players in, in there. And, and basically, when you've got a, a guy like last week, he kicked, kicked four, uh, four goals and last week he only had about four possessions. Yeah, gee whiz, yeah, they're the sort of thing yeah. you watch out for. Yeah, well, that, well, that's right. That's where they will miss Waitman because I, I, there's no way known, I think, because he came off and he didn't come back on for that from uh, where he ran into the uh, Brisbane players so he will be a bit of a, a probably a loss there Waitman but yeah I just like they talk about the shin bone of spirit but gee you can't take much away from the Bulldogs they'll, uh, they'll keep uh, having a crack and, and probably you know it may have been unlucky not to have finished fourth except for the timekeepers and, yeah. and whatever so yeah, you, know, that's true. you know they could have had an easier path to this um, to this weekend but anyway they're there and um, yeah look I, I still would like to be on both Melbourne and Port Adelaide just having had that week off yeah Interesting. At the at the uh, at the end of that game, they were talking about the boy with concussion. I reckon the footscray might have might, might appeal that. Yeah, you know, there's some always somebody commentator getting in there and throwing in. You know, just go by the rules and leave it alone. Exactly. Well, I think someone during the year, and I can't recall it was um, Bucket and Mitch, um, but um, the AFL overruled it. They said no, he, he passed a concussion test, but the AFL said well, he didn't come back onto the ground. And I'm sure that if uh, Waitman had have passed a concussion test on Saturday night with the game being so tight he would have been back on the ground so I don't think they got much uh, much chance Yeah, I think my tip uh, in closing would be a Melbourne-Port Adelaide grand final but hopefully I'm wrong yeah well yeah yeah well that's right we'd um, we'd love to see well wouldn't it um, the cats and the dogs cats and the dogs and hopefully it doesn't rain <laughs> uh, we'll take a break on PD I know you've got a couple of local football updates so we'll get to that after this And Peter, what's happening in local football? I'm just hoping that uh, maybe there'll be a bit of a bone thrown to regional Victoria. Maybe we might have some reprieve from the lockdown, but it sounds Mm. like some of the leagues have decided that no, it's just going to be too risky to bank on that. Uh, it is Mitchell, and um, as uh, as Neville uh, has said, Neville Whitley, the uh, president of the GDFL, has said that uh, it's unfortunate they have pulled the pin. It now removes the uncertainty we've been experiencing over the last months and the impact it has been having on the players, uh, Neville said in a statement on, uh, on Facebook. Um, he also um, noted that... Uh, Previous report that minor premiers in each football and netball grades will be recognised. So uh, that's that part of it. And AFL Barn have just made a short statement saying it remains hopeful a planned easing of restrictions in regional Victoria will allow it to complete the BFL and GFL seasons. So that's that's that side of it. And um, uh, and just some other news on the AFL Barwon women's um, best and fairest counts in Division 1. Uh, Isabel Hill from Grovedale uh, won that on 21 votes from Emily Ramsey at Geelong MOs on 14 and uh, Talia Horton from St Mary's finished uh, third on 12. Division 2, uh, Tamika uh, Beeston from North Geelong won that on 18 votes from uh, Caitlin Pickett from Drysdale on 14. And in the Division 3, uh, Charlotte Simpson from St Joey's won on 18 votes from uh, Maggie uh, Cordolo from South Barwon on 16. So congratulations to those uh, to the winners of the uh, of the medals in those divisions. But yep. yeah, a real shame that we can't see finals uh, football because we love the finals, don't we, Bucket? Yeah, we certainly love finals. I've seen many of finals games over the years, and by some of the best football and some of the best footballs I've ever seen have been taking part in those sort of games. 
it is a, it is a great and you know it's always a great atmosphere. So unfortunately, but um, if everyone uh, if everything comes to uh, the way we hope, we'll we'll have finals without any problems next year. Yes, hope so. Hope so. Mm. Uh, well, we better go to the final word bucket. Yes, I think it comes down you know, to the last four teams. Who wants it more? Uh, more, yeah. You know, the, 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 the way they attack the ball and everything like, like that, you almost tell from the f- first few minutes of, of those final games. Yep, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree there, Bucket. And and I think as we say, we're you know we're doing it all doing a little bit um, tough and you know and obviously with Father's Day yesterday, etc. But I think uh, if we were going to gain strength and inspiration, I think we only had to have a look at the uh, Paralympics and uh, just see what those athletes um, gave to us and and their performance as well done. Well, thanks very much to both of you. Hopefully next week we'll be talking about Geelong into the grand final. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking more Melbourne Port. But we'll see what happens. Um, that's it from me for today. Wes Jay is with you doing his program from home straight after the 11 o'clock news. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.